Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Morning, church. Indeed, he does speak a better word over us. He writes a better story for us, and he is worthy of our praise, our highest praise. Thank you, worship team. I'll be reading our scripture today. And actually, before we get into that, if you're like me, your, uh, your brain can kind of wander all over the place, and it's hard to focus on scripture. So, uh, and it's helpful for me because whenever I stand up here, my heart rate goes crazy, and it's hard to read. <laughs> So if you want to join me, um, I invite you to just kind of take a moment and, and take a few breaths and just focus your mind on the scripture, on what God has to share with us, you know, through Pastor Bob and uh, the words of nourishment that God, you know, wants to bring forward through, through scripture. So if you just close your eyes and, um, and just kind of breathe, breathe in the spirit and breathe out any anxieties you have, any any worries, um, anything that happened right before service or uh, that you're just carrying in your mind, just breathe, breathe in the spirit and breathe out those worries. Hopefully that spirit is, the God spirit is coming in and, and dwelling in your mind. And what, a, what an amazing passage we do have. Uh, so, yeah, I invite you to just continue to focus on this, these words of life and, and food for our souls. And this is from uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, through chapter 9, verse 1. And it's on page 866 in your pew Bible. Starting in verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Brian. Uh, I'm going to introduce our speaker today, Pastor Bob. Bob, yeah, let's welcome him up, Pastor Bob. Uh, most of you know him and his wife Caroline and Lily Joe, uh, but last uh, end of last year we introduced them to our church family. Uh, Pastor Bob is our church planter in residence this year, and what that means is uh, he's planting a church. Uh, they currently meet on Friday nights here in our building. Uh, the church is called Liberty House, and I've uh, been blessed to get to know him in these last months, so we meet regularly, and I'm really excited to have him bring the word this morning from what you just heard. He's going to unpack uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 9-1, and uh, we were talking about uh, 
the, the passage together. And um, one of the beautiful things about our church is we have so many different nations represented, so many different cultures and, and languages represented. And I just said, hey, uh, as a white Western dude, you know, I'm going to approach the scripture in a certain way. I'm going to see certain things. And as an East African brother, you're going to approach the scripture. You're going to see certain things. So be yourself. Um, preach the gospel and share it this morning. And so I'm excited to, to commend to you, Pastor Bob, and I'm just going to pray for him now before he, he, he shares God's word. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace that is uh, on all of us in this room. Thank you for your word that has been preserved, which shows us your true heart and what it means to follow you. And this morning, I just pray for my brother here, Pastor Bob. Thank you for our friendship, our relationship, and Lord God, will you speak through him to us. May you convict us by your power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. He's risen. The benefits of preaching, you drink while you're standing in front of church. It's such a joy for me to stand here. Uh, if you... Uh, months ago, are they few? When I joined here, I did not know that I would be here. I just knew I'm coming to feed off Pastor Andrew. I've been blessed sitting under him and listening to all the wonderful people who stand here and bless our souls. And so I never dreamt this. Let me let you know that if you have, if you're there, God might do some things you do not expect. And so sit tight. Many wonderful things are about to happen. I want to thank God for Pastor Andrew, wonderful man of God. I enjoy feeding off him. I enjoy coming here. You people make church and the world a better place. Amen. Amen. A man in San Diego wrote a note in his apartment. And he left the note and went on the bridge. When he arrived on the bridge, he fell off the bridge and passed. And so police goes to his apartment and they find the note he had written. And the note was, if I find a smile between my apartment and a bridge, I'll continue living. So he never found the smile and he passed. The story of that man went around the world and a man on an island called Kamano read the story. And instead of feeling bad and going on with his life, as most did, he decided that every day he would paint faces of smiling people and he would dispute them to people, strangers. And so every day he has four or five faces and he just gives them randomly to strangers to spread a smile. I want to invite you to spread a smile this morning. And probably if you can, if it's okay, please turn around and just spread a smile. Because you never know your neighbor probably did not get a smile this week. <laughs> if you're in a mask, it's okay. If you have a mask on, keep your mask on, please. <laughs> a prominent lawyer in the city of Chigali, in a country of Rwanda, um, at the height of COVID, that's the last year, the height of COVID, prominent lawyer, you know all lawyers, prominent lawyers are the same throughout the world. They have cool cars, cool watches, cool suits, you know they have those cool things. Throughout the world, that's how they are. 
Rwanda is in Africa. This prominent lawyer one day drives his cool car, parks on a high riser, goes up to the fourth floor and releases his life. And the argument on TV was, what went wrong? This guy has everything. He knows every prominent person. He has every contact with every good person. He has a big wallet, big profile, big everything. What went wrong? And the debate was, the people, the, most people were saying, probably it was depression. Other people say, probably divorce. Other people said, probably, probably they were trying. The national media was talking about him because he's a big guy in town. And, but one, most of the people who would come on would say, hi, how about the people down in the village? Most of them do not have a quarter of the things he has. Many of them don't have cars, don't have clothes, don't have nothing. Do not. Some of them in their houses, you enter their houses, there is virtually nothing. But yet they are happy. The women are not divorcing. They are not depressed. And so the debate was there. This guy has everything. And this is how he's reacting. And the people out there, out in the woods, who barely have a tenth of what he has, are excited, happy, living good lives. What is the difference? And this morning, your neighbor, who you just smiled to, is not going to take their lives. Because Jesus took his life that we may live. So someone say he's risen. And so we are still in that spirit of his reason. I want to thank God for Pastor Andrew. He's been taking us through a very nice series. He's done most of the work I'm going to do. What we are covering, the cross, we've just covered it in Easter. You guys have had the sermon. So my work is pretty easy. I'm going to have a good time. Are you ready? Okay. So... Brian has just read Mark 8, 34 to 9, chapter 9, verse 1. And the key things there which we want to pick out is Jesus says that he who has to follow me, other versions say my disciple, should deny themselves some things, carry their cross, and follow me. And then he goes on to say, he who loves their lives will lose it. But they that lose their life for the gospel's sake and for Christ's sake, they will gain it. Okay, what does that mean? Before I go into that, a few years ago, living in Africa, I was, uh, national media came up and said, there's a guy who has come from U.S. and he's carrying the cross through Africa. And my mind tried to imagine who this guy is and how he looks and the first picture came with that movie, Passion for Christ. I remembered. So I thought he looks like the Jesus of Passion for Christ. He's having an extremely heavy cross. Probably he's dressed in many funny... Oh, there he is. He's, he has appeared. That guy. And so we went to the sides of the road because we knew his itinerary. Like an American, he arrived on time where we expected. <laughs> and so he was there. He had his cross, and yeah, I expected the cross to be extremely heavy. You can see how it is. I expected him to have funny clothes, probably like the ones of Persian for Christ, and there it is. I expected many things about him, and the most amazing thing is that his cross had a wheel behind it, and I say, woo, he could not have disappointed, he's an American, <laughs> 
He only missed the solar panel and some battery doing something somewhere. <laughs> but on the positive side, this guy, when you read his story, he is actually in the Guinness World Records book. Um, when you read his story, he's been to over 50 nations. He's met the Pope, met the prime ministers, met, met you know, crazy people. He has preached the gospel to many people, led many people to the Lord because he says God inspired him to do what he's doing. He's blessed the world and we thank God for him. Now, when Jesus says believers or his disciples should carry the cross, he's not meaning that. Neither does he mean a cross you put on your hand, your neck. No, that's not the cross. The cross Jesus is referring to, we want to discover it today. What is that cross? The best way to discover what Jesus is meaning in, in Mark 8, 34 onwards, the best way to discover that is by looking at Jesus' very life. So I'm going to take you in the next 15 minutes in Jesus' life, and then we will be out of here. Amen. And so Jesus, the first memory I get is the first sermon he does. And remember, I'm doing my first sermon here. And so his first sermon, Jesus enters church, gets a cross, a scroll, and reads a portion of scripture, and he preaches. And after he preached, the entire congregation rises up. And instead of giving him a stand, standing ovation or giving him a love offering, they push him out of the building, push him out of the city, and take him to a cliff. They wanted to throw him so he can die. His first sermon. If that was you, would you go back and make another sermon? First sermon. No standing ovation. No one taking you to any place for a cup of tea, no one thanking you for the great work you did, they want to kill you. First sermon, that would have deterred me from that thing called preaching. I would have run from that city. But Jesus was not deterred. The next occurrence is when we see him, it's a Sabbath day, and he's seeing somebody who needs to be prayed for. And according to the Jews, Sabbath day is holy. You don't work. Your animals don't work. Your servants do not work. Nobody does nothing. Jesus is going to heal. And he has somebody there who needs help. And he's going to do it, though he knows that it is going to start trouble. Does he deter? No. He gets to the people, prays for them, and the Jews arise and the religious leaders, look at this one. He's defiling Moses' law. Jesus knew trouble will come. But because he was sent to do the will of God, he wasn't deterred, not even by fear or threat of death. He would minister. And on Sabbath, day in and day out, if it was me and I'm Jesus, and I knew the Jews and the city will arise, I'll take the people back door, behind the house, behind the building, pray for them there quietly, and tell them, disappear with your miracle. Don't tell anybody. Disappear. Don't mention me. Actually, I would come with a mask. And, you know, so nobody remembers me. For Jesus, for the will of God, nothing could stop him. Nothing. Then, first forward, we see Jesus on the Last Supper. Is supper an American word? I'm not sure. Supper, Americans have, do dinner. 
Dinner, I think, is that meal between six and seven, and it ends the day. For people who do supper, I come from Africa, we do supper. Supper is a meal done between eight and 11 in the night. And it's an elaborate meal. It's a good one. It's a heavy one. And after that, you go to bed. Hallelujah. <laughs> and they survive until they are 90. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I know every side, everybody has the arguments of, you know, why they eat at the time they eat. Now, for those who eat supper, you know, anywhere from 8 to 11, when you tell them to eat like the Western world, they say, we do not eat time. We eat food. <laughs> and that takes me to another digression. Time is a construct. The people in the Western world watch the time. And time to them means a lot. The people from where I come from, where time is a construct, we manage, we keep, we control, we can even freeze. We can stop time. Yes, we are powerful. <laughs> and so we never stress out of time, you know. Oh, my God. So I live in two worlds. When I'm here, I'm an American. When I'm back there, yes, I'm happy to be in charge of time. Woo, it's a good feeling. <laughs> Cultural differences. Back to the point. Jesus, on, the, on that event they call the Last Supper. He has his disciples and he tells them, I have always told you that a time will come I'll be arrested. I've also told you that a time will come I'll be killed. I've also told you that a time will come I'll die and I will resurrect. And the time is now. The disciples didn't believe him. Why? They had seen him walk on water. They knew this is a great guy. They had seen him resurrect Lazarus. They knew nobody can kill him. They had seen him do amazing things. So they thought he's above being killed. They never believed him. So when he saw that, he takes a few of them, goes to the garden. And I want to bring to read that real quick. He goes to the garden. Remember, I'm taking you, I'm explaining to you um, the meaning of the few things I've mentioned. So he goes to the garden. The Bible says in Luke 22, 38, then he said unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here with me and watch with me. And he went a little farther, fell on his face and prayed, saying, our father, if it is possible, let this curse pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them asleep and said unto them, Peter, could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if this cup may pass away from me, except I drink it, let your will be done. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus is in the garden. And he knows the time for him to die is at hand. He knows he's going in a very tough time. And he picks a few of his disciples, goes with them, and tells them, please pray with me. And they did not feel the weight of what was on his heart. They didn't. They instead slept. And Jesus goes a step away, 
And he prays. And he prays. And he prays. And when he comes back, his disciples are sleeping. He wakes them up and tells them, pray, lest you enter into temptation. And just a little digress there. When you pray, prayer helps you to overcome temptation. There are people who say, I don't need to pray. God has given me everything I need. I'm so content. Yes, prayer can save you from, lead, help you not enter into temptation. Anywhere away from that. And so he goes again and prays. And when he comes back, they're sleeping. He leaves them alone. He goes and prays. And the Bible says, because of the agony of his heart, the sorrow in his heart, he prayed and prayed. The reason why some people will pray and others will not pray that hard is because of the condition of your heart. If you have so much sorrow, it will lead you to pray more. And sometimes when you're praying, your friends will not understand because they do not know what you carry. So people who are okay don't need to pray. But those who are going through some issues find themselves being pulled to pray because the, their heart is heavy. When you come to Africa and you find Africans, all of them look crazy in church. Why? We have many things that are pursuing us. And so we have to go to God. And we don't have 911 to call. We don't have triple A to call. We don't have what? IRS to call. We do not have nobody. No one, you know. And so the only thing you have to turn to is God. God, because you don't even have health insurance, not even no insurance. So you turn to God and you pray like crazy. And when we pray like crazy, God answers us like crazy. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so in Africa, if you're coming to preach, just know people have burdens and they need God and a God who is going to answer by fire. <laughs> he must show up. People, God must show up because people are loaded with challenges. When you find me in U.S., I pray like an American because it is taken care of. My kid is in school. My wife has a smile. Ooh, hallelujah. When you find me in Africa, I don't come dressed like this. I come dressed for war. It is spiritual war. I'm against everything. Devil, poverty, I'm against a thousand and one thing because I have a cousin battling sickness. I have a brother struggling with something. I have a niece struggling. And so I'm crazy. I need God. And God shows up. So Jesus' heart is heavy. Because what is on his heart is heavy. And the Bible says when he prays, his sweat drops like blood. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it was real blood coming out. Pastor Andrew will correct me after the service. I don't know if it was really blood or it was sweat that was dripping like drops of blood. But the Bible says his sweat was like blood. That was an intense prayer. I don't think he was praying while folding his hands. I think he was doing something crazy. By the time sweat is like blood and you're praying, then you're doing something. I don't know what he was doing, but he was not sleeping on a couch. He was not folding. His, he was doing something crazy. He was praying. Tell your neighbor he was praying. Yep, he was meaning business. You remember Hannah in the temple? Hannah came to the temple and was praying. And the priest looked at Hannah and said, you woman, you're drunk. And she says, no, my heart is heavy. 
and I'm pouring out my heart before the Lord. When someone is pouring their heart before the Lord, they will not be joking. They might even slap you in the process, not because they intend, but there's something they are pushing out, and they want the Lord to receive it. There's something they are communicating to God, and they are passionate. They could be putting up their hands. They could be doing crazy things because they have a heaviness that they want the Lord to take. I was in a meeting and my friend was on a pulpit and he was preaching and mucus was coming out of his nose and I wanted to take a hanky to him or some and he could not stop. He was going on and I was saying, what do I do? Doesn't he feel it? Doesn't he see it? And he didn't mind it. He went on like for five minutes and everybody was concerned and the guy was just crazy. And after I asked him, what was that? He says, I was passionate. I was feeling something and I wanted it out. And I'm imagining what was that he was feeling that could not even make him feel or notice something running out of his nose. When people are passionate, friend, let them be. Don't comment. Don't look at them. Mind your business. If you're okay, be okay. Let someone express themselves before the Lord the way they feel it. Hmm. So Jesus is praying, and when drops of blood come, the Bible says angels came and ministered to him. Angels had to intervene because this prayer was not the normal prayer. Angels came, strengthened him. The next thing we see, Pastor Andrew has ably taught us in the first week. He goes to the cross. He's crucified. He's buried. And he arises. He rises. Glory to God. Our Savior lives. Glory to God. He's alive. He knew that the times that were coming were not easy. But he said, Lord, not my will, but let your will be done. He knew that those times were not going to be easy. They were not going to be comfortable. And he says, I personally let down my life. Jesus' life was not just taken from him. He chose to lay it down. He could have called angels to slap all those soldiers who came around. But you know, he chose to lay his life down that you and me may be saved, may be redeemed, may be healed, may be set free. He chose to put his life down. Amen. Amen. So our redemption is not written in an ink of self-preserving. It is written in this ink of self-sacrifice. The liberty we enjoy, the freedom we enjoy, the joy we get when we come to church is not written in someone preserving. It's not written in comfort. It is written in someone laying their life down. Jesus chose to lay his life down. Hebrews say, for the joy that was ahead of him, he endured the cross, even the death, even the death of a cross. Because of the joy of seeing you delivered, seeing you reconnected, reunited with the God the Father, Jesus endured the cross, carried our sin, carried our pain, carried our curse, carried everything that we may be free for the joy that was ahead of him. And so what is the cross? I would define the cross as your mission, your purpose to live, your calling, your mission. 
Jesus' mission, he came to save the world from our sin. For the angel came to Mary and says, his name shall be Jesus because he will save the world from their sins. He came to save us. That was his mission. That was a cross. And nothing deterred him from his mission. Not haters. He had many haters. Not betrayers. Not the one who betrayed him with a kiss. Nothing could stop him. Not threats of death. Nothing could stop him. And the Bible wants us to have the same mind like the mind of Christ. Nothing should stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Nothing. Nothing. If God has called you to be like Aaron, to serve him here, nothing should deter you. Not one with a long beard, not one with no beard, not one with the hair. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. When God calls us, nothing should deter us. Jesus was unstoppable, and so are you. You are unstoppable. Nothing should stop you. A friend of mine was resigning from work, and I asked him, why are you resigning? He said, my boss hates me. And I told him, yeah, you didn't go there to make relationship, love relationship, and what relation? You went there to make money so your house is happy. Is your family happy? Yes. Then leave haters alone. Do your work. Does he want to fire you? No. Do your work. Nothing should stop you. Haters will always be around. And many other funny people will be around. They shouldn't stop you. Have fun. The Bible says he lays a table in front of me before my enemies. They should watch as I enjoy. Let them hate. I will enjoy my table. As long as they are not touching my table, I'll have fun. Hallelujah. <laughs> Nothing should deter you. That's the first point. The second point I want us to quickly learn is... Friends, sometimes the price to accomplish what God has called you to do is you yourself. You're the price. We are not die, going to die like Jesus. He died for us on the cross. So we are not, you know, should not die. Don't go and be crucified anywhere. No, don't crucify yourself. No, the price was paid. But if anything significant we're going to do in this life, it is going to come with a price. I enjoy the bistro every Sunday morning. When I come in and there's a bistro there and it is alive, I feel like, woo, gl glory to God. But then I remember this bistro I'm enjoying has no my money, has no my time, has no my thought. Somebody has paid the price for me to enjoy. If you're enjoying anything and you've not put in your time, your money, your thoughts, your anything, just know that somebody else has done it. Somebody has paid the price. Somebody has laid down their life that you may have fun. And so I want to salute Laura for making that happen every Sunday. She's a great woman. We celebrate Laura. Woo! We celebrate men like Carl who make this place a great place. Every time we come for service, we don't know anything happened in the week. People are here, you know, trying to make this happen. We come here for two hours and we have fun. People are around this place for a week to make this place look the way it is. In the trenches, behind the scene, we celebrate people like that. They pay the price for us. I lived in an apartment with a guy. This guy who was in the same apartment, he would leave the lights on. He would leave the house with TV running, radio in his bedroom, all lights on, everything on, everything in power. And if the power bill was in my name. So when the power bill comes, I would show it to him. And he's 200 and some in a small apartment. And he would look at it and say, okay. And he would not change his habits. And I, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. A time came, his business increased. He had to leave because he needed a lot of some space. And so he went to his place. I went to visit him, arrived uh, in the evening. Everything was off apart from his bedroom light. 
And I'm wondering, well, is this this guy's house? And I go to his bedroom, and he, his light is on, and he was playing something off the phone. And I said, what's wrong with you? TV not on, radio not on, this not on, everything's dark. And he said, I got a power bill of $200. Now that it is in his names, he now he knows because it is in his names. You know, before you know the price, you will behave the way you want. But I want you to know that anything you enjoy, if it has nothing of you, somebody somewhere is paying the price. There is nothing significant you'll ever do in life without paying the price. That's where I salute mothers. A mother will know that they are entering into a nine month of discomfort. And they will still go ahead with it. Without being forced. They will know. Their body size will change. They might forget to do their makeup. Their budget will be determined by this thing that is coming. You know, they know many things are going to change in those nine months of pregnancy. But they still agree to go ahead and co-work with God to bring forth life in this world. I salute every mother because it is not easy. If men what they want to be pregnant, babies will be coming out after two months because we can't endure morning sickness, body changes, mood swings. You know, we can't endure that stuff. Thank God it's women who do it. We salute every woman. High price. Women agree to pay the high price that we may have life and have fun in this world. Oh my God, I salute every parent. Every parent. Parenting is hard. It's a high price. Sometimes your budget, you determine, do we go and buy mommy's makeup or pamper? And you know pamper comes first, you know. Pampers, what do you call them? No, diapers. Yes, I'm speaking another language on the other side of the world. You know, it is diapers, it is baby. The baby determines how many hours you sleep at night, determines where you go, determines whether you work or not work, whether you have a great job. When baby's there, they will determine. They're a key factor whether you work or not work. They determine it's a high price. I want to thank God for every parent, foster parent, what parent, whichever type of parent you are. You people are great because you pay the price to make the world a better place. You pay the price that the kingdom of God may be better. We salute every people like that. There is nothing you'll ever do in life. There is nothing you'll ever do in life without paying price. This morning, we had a slide there. Church needs us. Leader of a small group, open, a small, open your house for a small group, um, music ministry, um, greeters. The other time we had, you know, the kids needs ministers, the kids department, and we have, we need many ministers. Now someone says, okay, I would have opened my house. I feel it in my heart. It's like God is telling me to open my house that people may meet here, but ah, my carpet, they'll ruin my carpet. They'll need a cup of tea. They will use my restroom. They will, oh, they inconvenience. Oh, they inconvenience. Oh, I have might. Oh, pay the price, brother. If you feel it in your heart, just do it. God will bless you. Because in the process of preserving your life, you will lose it. But in the process of giving your life, the Bible says, you will gain it. So give yourself. Give yourself. Sometimes God is calling you to do a home group in Everett. And you say, how can I lead a home group in Everett? You mean I have to drive one hour out, one hour every, every week, every week? No, that is a high price. Jesus paid a high price for you to be better. Just give that pr price. If you feel it in your heart, God is calling you for it. Pay the price. 
you will leave to be happy because you paid the price. Praise God. Amen. As I end, my time is out. <sighs> we want to thank God for people who pay the price. We want to thank God for Pastor Andrew. I'm not a core member of this ministry, but the emails I receive from him every week, the text messages, I go, that this guy have a life. <laughs> you know, he remembers things. He, he, we do appointments. We do, we schedule things. And sometimes I forget, but he doesn't. I know he has reminders and all this stuff, but you know, man, running this thing. Let's salute Pastor Andrew. And as I end, we want, just want to thank the Lord for this opportunity to serve. I want to thank God for the people who lead here. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, even as it has come, we do not know what it fully means for every one of us. But we ask that you speak to us, encourage us. We ask that you cause this word to be a blessing to us. Strengthen us, encourage us, and be with us even as we continue through this service. We love you. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.